Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast, reflections and hopefully little nuggets of wisdom on the scriptures and also topics that we're focusing on here at our church. We are coming to the close of our sermon series called What Next? as we focus on discernment and how we make decisions in our own lives. And today I'll be focusing on a passage from the book of Acts in the Newer Testament. This is Acts 8 and verses 26 through 40. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he and Philip, he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about something else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. I was reading an article uh, this past week in the New Yorker magazine about a really interesting artist whose name is Yuji Agamatsu. And what I found fascinating was his process of creating art. And the author of the article followed uh, Mr. Agamatsu and how he went about the way that he created art every single day. So Agamatsu took a notebook and a pen from his pocket as he was walking along the streets of New York, and he would write down in the notebook a certain time. So in this case, it was 12.34 p.m. on the south side of 42nd between Broadway and 7th. And then he drew a rough map of where he was. And then he looked around and found a tiny whitish object. It was gum. And then he took some cellophane, a cellophane sleeve from a pack of cigarettes that he was smoking and put the gum in this cellophane and then kept walking around. So Agamatsu does this every single day. He goes out and picks up little things off of the ground and creates uh, little works of art and wraps it in this cellophane. And that's the day. He calls them zips. And so he does this for like an hour or two, and now these a monthly set of these can cost you about $20,000 or so 
But it was interesting to see his process as he was looking for things on the ground. So, for example, as he was walking around, he saw flakes of green color scattered along a puddle that was crayon. He found strands of plastic turf with tangled in a little mass of hair and a hunk of what the author said could only be described as filth. Picked it up, put it in the cellophane. An M&M that its dye was dissolved from the morning rain and half of its shell was missing into the cellophane. He said he ignored a soda bottle cap and a Swedish fish wrapper because he said it's too easy to identify. He said, I'm interested in anonymous things. He kept on going. A congealed red gummy into the cellophane. A skinny club cigarette with a blue stripe. He got very excited about this and said he'd never seen anything like it before. So it's being shown now at, at an art gallery, and the curator said or described this process as a daily art practice, a personal ritual and way of marking time on earth. And so when Agamatsu was done for the day, he said to the author of the article, I think that's it for today, and he looked at what he had created. I like it. I'll put a link into or on my Podbean page so you can see examples of his art. And I, I like this because here in Chicago, of course, we have the Art Institute, this uh, world-class uh, museum where you can go and see all these amazing, beautiful pieces of art. And whenever I go, I imagine an artist there just waiting for inspiration. And then when inspiration hits the artist, they use paint or acrylics or pencils or whatever it is that they use. And once they're inspired, then they go at it. But Agamatsu does art every single day, and he simply just goes for a walk, and then he looks for things on the ground. He doesn't like things that are too recognizable. He, as he noted, likes anonymous things. To see, I'm not quite sure what this is, but he takes them all and creates this little piece of art. And I like the way that the curator of the show put it, that this is a daily art practice, a personal ritual, a way of marking time on earth. So I mentioned earlier that we are finishing up this sermon series on discernment. That discernment sometimes can seem like a really big theological word, but really this is a opportunity for us, a process for us to make decisions in our lives and have a sense of where is God leading us when we are deciding whether we should be in a relationship or whether we should have a certain job or what job should we take, um, where should we live, all these big decisions. And certainly if we're a person of faith, we would like some uh, divine nudging for us to help us make the right decision. And so I've heard from some of you that you're really grateful for this series because more than once folks have told me, I have a really big decision to make which is great, and we're glad that this can be helpful for them. But I think sometimes people think of discernment as a really big tool or utensil that you only use every once in a while. You get it out when you have a big job to do, like a snowblower for blowing the snow off the sidewalk, or a wet vac if your basement floods, or a power tool if you're hanging something. And then you put that away for a while, maybe it collects dust until you have another big project, and then you get it out again. I think it might be more helpful to think of discernment uh, more like a utensil that you use every single day, like the dishwasher or a toothbrush, something to use daily because decisions don't stop. We don't make big decisions perhaps every single day, but we do make decisions, small decisions every single day, sometimes even hour. 
or every hour, whether we realize it or not. And so today I want to reflect on how we can use discernment in the day-to-day, because even when we make big decisions, the decisions don't stop. We still have to discern and get a sense of where is God leading me in my day-to-day life. So we have two characters in our scriptures today who go through this process of making decisions. The first person I want to talk about is Philip. This is not one of the 12 disciples, but instead is someone else who was introduced slightly earlier in the book of Acts, in Acts 6. And the text tells us a scenario where there are people who are fighting between two groups of people called Hellenists and Hebrews. They're fighting about how food should be distributed to the widows. And uh, Philip pops up uh, in this particular chapter. So, here we see that in verse, or chapter 6, verse 2, that the disciples are getting a little perturbed at these fights, and they say, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. And so, in verse 5, they choose seven people, and this is where Philip is introduced. And these are the folks who are supposed to, I don't know if they're coordinating the process, if they're the ones who are actually waiting on tables, whatever it is, Philip is one of the seven who takes this job. Now, we jump to chapter 8. This is the next time that we learn about Philip. Chapter 8, verse 5 says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. I'm fascinated by what happened for Philip's own discernment process. Here he is in chapter 6, and he's asked, we want you to be one who waits on tables. So, waiting on tables is an important job. It's not always perhaps one that is uh, lifted up perhaps in the scriptures. Scriptures probably give a little bit more weight to people who are praying or preaching or healing or whatever, even though these other jobs are just as important. So, this is what Philip is. And now, all of a sudden, he has gone from waiting on tables. Two chapters later, he is proclaiming the Messiah. What must have happened in between those moments? What kind of discernment was Philip going through? And this is the kind of thing that the scripture doesn't tell us, but we have to assume that he was making some pretty big decisions about moving from this kind of ministry to another one. And then in today's text, we see many decisions that Philip has to make. In verse 26, it says that an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And verse 27 says, he got up and went. So, a decision. Now, of course, you might think, well, if an angel of the Lord appears and says, do it, then we're going to do it. But I love part of this verse, too, that I didn't read, but it notes that this road, the scripture says, is a wilderness road. How many times in our decision-making have we felt like, I am going down the wilderness road uh, or the wilderness path, or we may not even see a path in front of us? We feel like we're going into the wilderness. So, we may think that Philip easily, it's an easy decision because an angel of the Lord tells him to do this, but I have to believe maybe there's a slight hesitation in Philip's mind. Should I really be doing this, going down the wilderness road? But he does. So, decision that Philip makes. And then, verse 29, he goes over to a chariot to join it. Again, a decision to make. Should he go and approach this stranger? And not just any stranger, a eunuch. Now, on the one hand, and I'll talk about the eunuch in a minute, this is probably a person who has some wealth and status because of uh, his responsibilities. But also, eunuchs were often marginalized in society in that day. 
In fact, Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says that no one whose testicles are crushed or whose penis is cut off shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. So, certainly in many ways, uh, eunuchs were ostracized. But still, Philip makes the decision to go and speak to him and then later on to baptize him. And then all of a sudden, after all of this is done, he finds himself in another part of the area and then proclaims the good news to all the towns. So, we see here that Philip has decision after decision after decision that he has to make. It's not just one big thing and then he can go and just uh, put it on autopilot. So, the other person who has to make lots of decisions here is this Ethiopian. Again, a person who has status and wealth. He has a chariot, has his own copy of the scriptures. We don't know if he's Jewish. We don't know if he's a Gentile. He's drawn to go to Jerusalem. He says yes to that, even though he is an outsider. The eunuch chooses Isaiah to read. He chooses to make an invitation to a stranger. He makes the decision to be vulnerable, to admit his ignorance of reading the scriptures. He makes a big decision to declare his desire to be baptized. So, we see here over and over and over again that he has to make decisions. Now, you can have an interesting discussion about who is really the protagonist in the story. Is it Philip or is it the eunuch? But really, the strongest protagonist might be the Holy Spirit, because it's there at the very beginning of the passage. Then an angel of the Lord, the Spirit is strong in this passage. One could argue that Again, the Spirit is the protagonist. The Spirit is the one who moves things along. It was true in this story, and it's true today. We see here that the Spirit, perhaps, is helping, nudging, moving Philip and the eunuch to make these decisions. So, we are in the same place. We make decisions every single day, and the tools of discernment can be utilized to help us in this process. A phone rings. Should I take this call? Should I answer this text? Our day-to-day life is interrupted. What should I do with this interruption? Now what? Now what do I do? Now what do I do? And now it can be very overwhelming. And so it's no wonder sometimes that we go on autopilot. We bought a new car last August and we had a 2006 Honda Odyssey. It served us well. It did not have all of the gadgets that cars do these days. And when we were shopping for the car, people were saying to us, it's got this, that, and the other thing. And I said, I'm just kind of happy that it has a little USB port in there to charge our phones. But it has a lot more, including on this particular car, it has a a little, I assume it's some sort of camera in the dashboard. So you can put your car on cruise control and then it will automatically judge how far a car is in front of you and it will slow down so that I don't have to tap on the brakes. So if you're going 65 miles an hour, the car in front of you is going 55, the car will automatically slow down until you move to pass the other car. And it does the acceleration on its own too. And it took me a while to get used to this. But at times, on the one hand, it's kind of nice. I'm just like, I'm on autopilot. I don't have to worry about the cruise, anything else. But every once in a while, I get nervous about that. And I feel like I've got to be the one to make sure that I'm tapping the brakes. Or sometimes if it's a lousy day uh, weather-wise, then the camera can't read anything in front of you. So it sends me a message that you're on your own here. You need to be attentive to what's going on around you. And I'm probably a better driver rather than just going on autopilot and just kind of steering the wheel and letting my mind go wherever. 
especially when it's heavier traffic, I don't turn the cruise on because I want to make sure that I'm very attentive to what's going on. It's tempting in our day-to-day lives to just make these decisions on autopilot. But sometimes we need to be a little bit more attentive and wondering, what is God saying? How is the Spirit, the protagonist, I hope, in our lives, how is the Spirit moving us to make certain decisions? Well, we have tools, I think, as Christians that are uh, there for us to use. And we've talked about some of them. We've talked about fasting, for example, last week. But another tool I think is helpful is a prayer that I have mentioned before, uh, actually I've mentioned several times. Uh, it's a prayer called the Examine, E-X-A-M-E-N. And it's really just a prayer. And I'll go through this. Uh, uh, I'm going to be handing out flyers uh, on Sunday. And I'll also actually, uh, there'll be a link I'll put on the Podbean page so you can go on there and find this handout that explains the Examine very succinctly. Examine is really usually at the end of the day, but you can do it during the uh, the day, maybe the noon hour too. And it's really just a review, so a five step process. Now there are very ways, various ways that you can utilize this, but a certain process might be that you ask God for guidance or for light. Lord, help me to see the day um, that I've already lived. We give thanks, we give gratitude for those things that have popped up, both big and things that we may also take for granted. And then we review the day. For those of us who remember VCRs, it's kind of we play the tape back and we walk through our day, waking up, interacting with people, having meals. What kind of behavior did we employ? Where were the ways that God perhaps was moving in our lives? And so we face our shortcomings. We ask for forgiveness as we review the day. Uh, and also, again, we notice. That's interesting. I'm I noticed this today that uh, I felt this uh, sense of comfort or I felt compelled to, to note um, this event that happened to me. And we note these things. Perhaps God, perhaps the Spirit is speaking to us in these ways. And then we look forward to the day to come. And we ask for God's help in living out the next day too. The more we do this practice, the more we realize that God is more present than we realize in giving direction. And when we engage in this process of examine, I think it helps me anyway, and I think it helps others too when things happen in the midst of the day, not just at the end of the day, but you begin to pick up, maybe this is something that God is speaking to me now and how I'm supposed to respond to this person or this thing that I'm experiencing. One of the things I think that the examine helps me do is just a reminder that um, no matter how big or how small, that the Spirit is there helping me make these particular decisions and that the Spirit never leaves me. A couple of years ago, uh, my family took a trip to the Great Smoky Mountains on a week-long trip, and a camping trip. And on the day we packed up our gear, we headed east uh, into, we were camping in Tennessee, and we decided to head east into North Carolina. And so, because where we were, our friend, the GPS, it was really hard to get any GPS. So, we went old school, had to look at an actual paper map to figure out the best way to go. And it looked like, as I looked at the map, there were a couple of options. One was to go the shorter way, but it would include what looked like some curvy roads. The other option was to add more miles, but we would have straighter highways. And I figure, hey, let's take the curvy roads. Let's see some beautiful scenery along the way. Well, as I made that decision, I don't know if that decision was inspired by the Spirit. That was a bad idea. 
because they were probably the curviest roads I'd ever driven in my life. After going seven miles or so, 20 miles per hour, constantly swerving to the left and swerving to the right, I literally started to get nauseous. And I really, and I wasn't a hundred percent sure that we would find the connection that we needed to get to Interstate 40. That was our end goal. Once we got on that interstate, that would take us to where we needed to go. And so as we were heading down these roads, and I wasn't sure where we were, at one point we were backtracking, and just when I thought we were done with the curves, we saw a sign that said, Pavement Ends. And then we started going a few hundred feet And then, sure enough, a gravel road. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. And my heart sank. The thought of turning around and going through all those curves again was unappealing at best. But then my daughter said, look at the sign. That pavement ends sign. We had stopped by a sign that told folks that the gravel road would veer left, and then under the symbol, someone had taken out a black pen and scribbled, I-40, three miles. I was never more grateful for the defacing of a sign in my life. So I had a decision to make. Would this gravel road really lead us to Interstate 40? And so I trusted that the person writing the note meant for us to stay the course. Sure enough, thanks be to God, three miles later, we were on Interstate 40. I so wish I would have taken a picture of that sign. I think I was kind of delirious at this point. I'm like, all right, we're going to go for it. But to, as I look back on that um, story and that time in our lives, I find it to be a really kind of lovely metaphor sometimes for us when we feel like we are going down so many different paths and that the road decision-making makes us feel almost sick to our stomachs and we feel we have gone to the end and we wonder, what do I do now? Is God with me in the midst of it? The smallest thing can pop up to remind us, you're not alone, that that spirit that guided you, that helped you to make that decision, that same spirit is still with you, even in ways that you might not recognize. And that's why we have to continue this process of deciding and deciding and deciding, of using the tools of discernment, not just once and then putting it away and then going on autopilot, but to bring those tools back out again so that we're experiencing the Spirit so that we're in prayer, so that we're looking around. Now, at times it might seem exhausting to do that, but it, I think it helps us not only help us make better decisions, but also it draws us closer to God. When we receive that text or that email that makes us so mad and we think, how am I going to respond to this? That's when we rely on the Spirit. Say, Lord, I need to know how I'm going to respond here. And that is what we should do in this process of decision-making, that we look around even at the little things that might not seem very appealing, like the little works of art maybe that uh, Mr. Agamatsu creates himself to the literal signs that we see as reminders that in the midst of all of it, 
Just as the Spirit was with Philip and was with the eunuch, the Spirit, that same Spirit, is with us as we go about our day-to-day lives, trusting uh, that these decisions are based in God's desire for us uh, and God's love for us too. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening and for this uh, being with us during the sermon series. We are starting a new series next week talking uh, about gender and sex uh, and so and pe- how people identify. And so it'll be an interesting uh, sermon series. Hope you'll join us for that. Uh, as always, you can reach out to me, Christian at urbanvillagechurch.org. My website is christiancoon.com. And I will see you and be with you next week. May the peace of Christ be with you. And thou my true word, I